0: join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 97, the 660s BC, part two of
2: four.
1: Uh, we are in 668, and we are reading from the Babylonian Chronicle again. Uh, the accession year of Sama Ukin, that is the brother of Ashurbanipal. And uh, the year is given as uh, 668, 667, then because of the split of the Babylonian year compared to us. In the month Ayaru, April, May, you harvest sowing sesame. Uh, Bel and the gods of Akkad went out from Ashur, and on the 25th day of the month Ayaru, they entered Babylon. Nabu and the gods of Borsippa went to Babylon, and Borsippa is a Babylonian city. We talked about it before. It's the city of truth and justice, ah. and Nabu no- is the son of Marduk. He goes to Babylon every year to see his father for the Akitu festival. More on this in a few minutes. And uh, what actually happens here then is is Shumaukin. That's a great yeah. name. He's installed as the king of Babylon, uh, as a subordinate king to Ashurbanipal, mm-hmm. This is probably not going to lead to good probably things.
0: Not. No, and even here, it took a year. And this is like, it took a year until he was installed as king of Babylon. Because remember, the last year was when we read that Ashurbanipal became
1: the king of Assyria. Yeah, that, that's probably Ashurbanipal asserting himself as the number one guy in Assyria first, mm-hmm. before he leaves Babylon to be governed by his brother. Right. But this is a great way to avoid uh, doing the duties of the Babylonian king himself. So I can see the use of this move, yeah. but it's dangerous. Yeah, definitely. P- these guys have egos, Spo- you know, and then it's not good to... Yeah, spoiler, the Assyrians will never really figure out how to handle Babylon. <laughs> it has been a constant problem since we began this podcast. And uh, yes, it's just, there's, they never find a good mm-hmm. way to rule Babylon. No, we have a lot. And there's a lot of stuff going on
0: in the 50s. Oh, we'll mm-hmm. get to
1: that. Do you want
0: to do the next part? In that same year, Kirbitium was taken and its king captured. And this was a region to the east of Babylonia and was apparently harassing Babylon. I'm not really sure if this king had any brains because like, I mean, we raiding Babylonia so the Assyrians will come and kill you, but that's what happened to him.
1: That seems like a very
0: short-sighted uh, tactic. Seriously, I mean, yeah, they just, you know, what was this about? You look, You They were making
1: raids into Babylonia. Or maybe it was just the Assyrians saying that, oh, this guy's harassing yeah, us. Yeah, it could be. It's possible. But he was say, well, I'm not harassing you. Oh, you are harassing us.
0: Maybe they're all just trying, you know what, maybe they're trying to make them lose all, use all their arrows up. <laughs> all these wars, I mean, just think how many arrows they must go through. So... Anyway, seriously though, I mean, that's, you definitely can't just keep going to war if you got to make a million arrows every time you go out.
1: And remember that the Assyrians are merchants and capitalists, yeah. so somebody's getting rich in Assyria, yeah. making right. tons of arrows. Right, you're right. That was that's the industrial military complex of Assyria
0: was the arrow factories, the arrow barracks yeah, for sure. So let's see. On the twentieth day of the month, to Betu, which is December, January, and sowing of onions, Bel Atir. The judge of Babylon was taken prisoner and executed. So I couldn't find out what he did, actually, but I don't think anybody really knows. But um, there's some other tablets with that same name and business transactions from the same time. And also in the 650s, though, so it's, it clearly can't be the same guy. And then Bell is the Akkadian word for Lord. So there's a lot of people named Bell. So Bellatir, there could be a lot of bel but that's like Lord-Ateer. Maybe Bellatir is the Lord-Yad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there was, you know, they're always conspiring against the Assyrians in Babylon. So, of course, that's the deal there. And then there's another chronicle that's about the same. And it says it's called the Akitu Chronicle. And it says, for eight years under Sennacherib, for 12 years under Esarhaddon, 20 years altogether, Bel stayed in Baltil, which is the word for Asher. And the Akitu festival did not take place. The accession year of Sama Suma Uken, in the month of Ajuru, Bel and the gods of Akkad went out from Baltil, and on the twenty-fourth day of the month, Ajuru, they entered Babylon. Nabu and the gods of Borsippa went to Babylon. Well, first of all, unfortunately, we this is the last we have of this chronicle until 652 BC, which just stinks because there was, you know, it was good to get that information. But you can see the Babylonians are really big on that, the fact that they didn't have this festival for 20 years. And it was because of the Assyrians. Since Sennacherib sacked Babylon, took all the statues, they haven't been able to have this festival. So
1: they're really mad about it. Now, they. So this is a great it. populist move by Shammashimukin. He's returning the statues. Right.
0: Shamashamukhin and Ashurbanipal, they all, they're all, yeah, they're returning the statues. And then they re, they're able to have this festival, which is the Babylonian New Year's Eve festival. Not New Year's Eve, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the New Year's festival and celebrates the, their, their supreme
1: god Marduk and his crown prince and the other gods. And it's the actual statue of Marduk himself that is returning to Babylon. Correct. And that's uh, that's pretty important. Super important. It's the main god of Babylon, and this would give them ideas of independence again. Oh, yeah. So of course, they already had those ideas. But I mean, you
0: know, the Assyrians, they did uh rule over that festival before they sacked Babylon. It's just a huge, it's a huge festival. I, I like to t- I'm gonna talk about it a little bit. So it's a huge thing, because what they do is they, um, it starts on the first of the year, and that's, you know, that's in March and April. So that's the first of the, because of the harvest time, you know, it's a agricultural schedule. It was celebrated in two locations, at the Supreme Temple of the God Marduk and the House of the New Year, which was situated north of the city. And the two gods in the center of the festival were Nabu and his father, Marduk, who was the Supreme God. And he was called Bel, Lord, just like we call, you know, the Lord, that kind of thing. And the high priest. Yeah. Of the temple opened the festival saying the new year has begun uh, to the populace this meant the beginning of a whole week of holiday and the same day the king went to the king went to the temple where the high priest gave him the royal scepter then he traveled to borsippa which is 17 kilometers downstream and they had a famous nabu temple and there the king spent the night and the same year the high priest recited the babylonian creation epic in the house of the new year. So then on the fifth day, the king returned to Babylon, accompanied by the statue of Nabu. And the statue was left behind at the Urus gate. And the king went to the temple to greet Marduk. And here's the cool: He had to do this humbly, laying down his weapons, his crown, and his scepter. And the high priest listened to the king's words that he had not sinned against Marduk. And then he hit him very hard on the cheek. The priest hit the king very hard on the cheek and the king had to have tears in his eyes. And Supposedly, this is a punishment for sins that were unwillingly committed. Kneeling in front of the statue of Marduk, the king receives an oracle about the future, and he was given back his royal insignia. At sunset, the king and the high priest performed a not completely understood ritual with a white bull. I won't get into any more of that.
2: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for
0: people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access
2: to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping.
0: The next day, the statue of Nabu visited the temple of Ninurta, where it defeated two enemies in the form of some little golden statuettes. It then continued to the temple, where it joined Marduk's statue. And then at the same time, all the other gods arrived in Babylon. So now this party's been going on for, this is on the seventh day. Seven days, all the statues are cleaned and they get new dresses. And the next day, the festival reached its climax, when all the statues were brought out from the rooms, and uh shown to the Babylonian populace, and all the gods were present to honor Marduk in their parliament. So it's like his conference, his um his Congress there. They announced a policy for the next year. It's like the State of the Union speech by the American president. Uh, as far as we know, it was always a blessing, fortune, joyful tidings, these kind of things. And they went around the city in a um with the statues. The king guided the supreme god, and the last part of the route, the ships were placed on chariots, so that the gods were driven to the house of the new year in ships. And the, this is the part—it's cool too. The, the people were just singing all kinds of songs. There was like frivolous hymns of sexuality, and uh, a song about Marduk's father, and just—I I mean, it was just a huge party for you know seven days in Babylon. They couldn't have it for twenty years because of the statues weren't there. So that must have been a really
1: cool party. I have two reflections. First, did Shama Shumokin really take a beating from the high priest? Mm -hmm. But he probably did then if he wanted to do this properly. And the second reflection is there seems to be a lot of carrying of statues in this festival (laughs) and a lot of rather boring things. But uh, it is a lot of time to have a festival for a week. So maybe the rest of it was just drinking and partying and... Having a good time. I bet it was that. I bet you the priest
0: did their thing, but the rest of it was drinking and partying and having a good time. We we do have a, something sort of like that in our area here. It's an old Italian. At- so we have a lot of Italian immigrants here. I'm half Italian. We have a city here that they have a festival where the saints do a race and the people carry the st- statues of the saints in a race. And it's all drinking and partying. Well, what, what happens if you drop the they saints? They never do. They never do. You have to pick, you know, strong young guys that get to run with the saints.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: What, what time That's of year? That's in the at? summer. The Saint Ubaldo festival, it's called. Wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they carry the they carry the saints in a race, and you know the, the Saint Ubaldo always wins. It's that sort of a deal. And people line up along the track, and you know the older people are more religious about it, and the younger people are drinking. So
1: we'll put the Akito festival in our top ten list of events to attend if we ever get the time. Yes, thing.
0: it'll be. Dan and Bernie's excellent adventure.
1: <laughs> I think we would stick out in uh we have to dress. <laughs> yeah, we have to dress the part. You'll
0: probably get by because you pronounce the words so well. I'll be the one immediately. They'll, they'll, they'll catch on me.
1: They would burn us both. <laughs> we'll get right back in the time machine. We, so please support us on Patreon so we can start building the time yes, machine. that would be awesome. You probably need a quintillion dollars. <laughs> so make a substantial contribution, please. <laughs> We'll start with a dollar a month,
0: a buck an episode. That's all we ask.
1: <laughs> yes, from six to eight million people or quintillion people. Exactly.
0: Time for some Greece.
1: Yeah, 668 still. It was an Olympic year
0: and there was some drama, but I have the victors. Well what we know anyway. And um, boxing was not me. It was a dipos of croton. And um, croton was a Greek colony in Calabria in Italy. It's on the bottom of the boot. And their inhabitants are famous for physical strength. And I just want to throw this in because this is the hometown of Milo of Croton, who would later become a legendary wrestler of tremendous strength. And I have this a friend, he's our boxing swimming coach, and he always tells a story about how Milo's put uh, Ken, by the way. Shout out to Ken. So he... Um, Milo's, the story goes that he started with a calf, put it on his shoulders, not a, like a like a cow, like a calf of a bull. And he put it on his shoulders and he'd walk around with it. And as the cow got bigger and bigger and bigger, he got stronger because, you know, the cow got bigger, like lifting weights. So that's the, he's from the 500s BC. So he's a long way off. I can see some holes in this um, story.
1: Like, didn't the calf get malnutrition or... Be- Suffer from the lack of movement. Yeah, I mean,
0: maybe just, you know, put it down every so often. You know how these stories
1: are, they. Embellish. Yes. This could be the reason why the Assyrians have great calves. And calves, that's, yeah. Could be why. Okay, maybe There's a difference between calves and uh, I know, and they
0: calf raises with a calf. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's all Go right. on. The stadium was won by Charmis of Sparta. I don't have any info on this guy. But it's another Spartan Spar- winning the Olympics. Go, Sparta. Yeah. And then the pentathlon was won by Philombrotos of Sparta. And I don't have any information on this guy, but I don't think we talked about the pentathlon before. Well, we can do it again if we did. Yeah, so it derives from the combining the words penta and athlon, which means five competition. Five events over one day. It started with the stadium and then followed by the javelin throw, the discus throw, and the long jump. And we're not sure which order those were in. And then ended in wrestling, which is crazy, right? You have like like a race and some throwing and then wrestling, Uh, you know, it's like single events and then you fight somebody. But that's funny because they said the pentathletes were considered to be inferior to the specialized athletes in a certain event. But that means they were superior overall in development because they're the most well balanced of all the athletes and their training was part of military
1: service. Each of the five events was thought to be useful in battle, though I don't know how useful long jump is in battle. Yeah, maybe jump over like, um oh,
0: maybe like when, you know, jump over a moat for the castle, not the castle, but, you know, the city.
1: I don't know much about uh, sports today, but de- decathlon is uh, the 10, yeah, the ten. Uh, things. And that that's, uh, th- those uh, athletes are also inferior than specialized athletes, but very good overall. Yeah, right. And I'm pretty sure there's not wrestling in the decathlon. That, um, I, I do believe you correct, are yeah. correct.
0: Oh, Argos news. Yeah. So yeah, that's the drama. This is probably the year that Phaedon, who was the tyrant of Argos, was asked by the town of Pisa to capture the sanctuary of Zeus, is where the Olympics were held. And so he did, and he personally presided over the games.
1: So that mm. was some drama. And then Aelis Il- took back the, the sanctuary. Yeah, the next year, but the, he ruined those Olympics. Yeah, so seems like a PR move yeah. for him. Yeah. I mean, he physically took over the Olympics. Well, while the Spartans were busy fighting uh, the Second Missilean mm-hmm. War. apparently. What more can you tell me about Phaidon? an
0: interesting character, actually. Uh, some say he was a noble, some say he's a king, and either way, he overthrew who was in charge, and he was an usurper, and he became more a tyrant. And sort of like Gyges, who was a tyrant, which means he seized control. He wasn't the rightful king. Likely Mm -hmm. overthrew the aristocracy with the help of the lower classes. But this kicks off the age of the tyrants in the Greek world, because then there was other tyrants around the, you know, around the Greek world. So this is the age of the tyrants. Um, Yeah, these guys did a lot of big building projects to, you know, please the masses. That's why they had that support of the lower classes. But then they needed money you know, they need a way to pay these guys. So this could sort of be when why money became needed. We also see that they may need some kind of money to pay their mercenaries um, at the time. But it's been said that Phidon was the first to coin money. But Herodotus says, and it's pretty much believed it was the Lydians. And the earliest coins found in Argos are from the 500s. And we, we did say that, you know, the Lydians are the ones who started money. But Phidon had something to do with standardizing weights. So he may that may be why they think he started money, you know, he would give you a pound of silver or you know, this much gold for for doing this or that. So but the really cool thing is that he is probably the inventor of the hoplite as we know it and and a proto phalanx. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Happened right here in the six sixties BC on our podcast. That's a major invention. Right?
1: And I didn't just We know that uh, the phalanxes had existed before in other countries, but
0: not in Greece. Yes, correct. Right. So the Greek style of the phalanx and the Greek hoplite, we think, you know, and this is pretty, we're pretty sure, you know, this is the era when it started. Cause even the Spartans didn't use a phalanx at this time. You know, that's why they were fighting, you know, the Mycenaeans were still battling with them. And the main thing is, is the shield, um, the apsis. Cause it had, they call the grip on it, the Argive grip. Cause that placed mm-hmm. the handle in the center of the shield and it had a leather strap. To fasten your forearm. I, I don't know if it would fit the Assyrians, but... So... <laughs> can't stop, right? At, uh, like, so, could you imagine, though, <laughs> you have this shield that's like, fumb- you're fumbling with your shield, and, oh, brilliant, let's just strap it on. So now you have the shield, you could hit people with the shield, and you could hold your spear under your arm. You know, you're not fumbling with your shield. So, and that's, you know, uh, that one little thing is, is the start of the phalanx. And so then this made him powerful, so he took the show on the road. And, they, you know, he defeated a Spartan invasion at the Battle of Hassai in 668, which is right around the time of the Second Mycenaean War. There's not a lot of sources, and I did read a lot. I found, you know, it was just like little blurbs. But there, there was,
1: you know, apparently a battle there, and, um, you know, Argos was victorious. A lot of uh, Greek sources uh, mention that the Spartans were never defeated. And in that podcast I mentioned before, the Ancient History Warfare podcast, that's the their most common in joke that uh, but the spartans were never defeated and then they are defeated all the time right. so uh, but they, they were pretty quick to adapt this and they became quite proficient in phalanx warfare mm-hmm. and strong and you know and like we said veterans and used to it and willing to die yeah and extremely uh, well well trained uh, in uh, physical endurance yeah not only Calfs and
0: yeah, Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. Plutarch has a good little story about um, um Can I read that? Yeah, Go ahead. a man named Phaedon who was striving to make himself ruler of the Peloponnesians and wished his own native city of Argos to be the leader of all the other states plotted first against the Corinthians. He sent and asked of them the thousand young men who were the best in vigor and valor and they sent the thousand, putting a man named Dexander in command of them. Now Phidon intended to make an onslaught upon these men, and and he was going to kill them, so that Corinth might be weakened, and he might have the city in his power. For he considered that it would be the most advantageous bulwark of the whole Peloponnesus, and he confided this matter to some of his friends, among whom was Habron. Now he was a friend of Dexander, this Habron was, and told him of the plot. So before the onslaught was made, the thousand young men escaped back safely to Corinth. He's a trickster.
1: This th- this uh, story just makes me convinced that everybody was stupid. Like, the, the whole trick <laughs> seems stupid. Like, please send a thousand strong young men. Then you think that Corinthians grew go, why? <laughs> but Phaedon obviously had a good reason for that. And then, I'm going to kill them all. I have to talk to my friends about my cunning plan. <laughs> and then Hebron goes like, well, he's going to kill you all, so you better not come here. And they just, okay, we'll go back oh to my Corinth. Gosh, right? Corinth is situated in an extremely strategic position for control of the Peloponnese. so that Phaedon was correct enough. That. Mm-hmm. That's, um,
0: that is a great little, these great little stories. I think they just drank a lot. You know, <laughs> Probably. they're just drinking, and then they said, I, I'm going to kill all those guys. So, yeah, around this time. Well, so then he died. We don't know exactly when, but they said he died in a battle, a factional battle in Corinth after their king was overthrown. So, like these guys were talking other people into overthrowing their kings. It's definitely like a revolution of tyrants. And um, around this time, also the Second Messenian War ends. That's really it's it's really hard to date it. So we'll just put it here in 668. And it does end with uh, Sparta winning, right? Yes, it ends with Sparta winning. Good work, Sparta. Yeah. And then they made the slaves out of them. Oh, no. So that was it, though, for the Spartans as far as colonizing, as we said before. That was, um, you know, they had their own, basically, they had their hands full with their, with their helots there, with the Mycenaeans. And they had a lot of land, too, so they really didn't need to go, you know, island hopping like the other ones. Yes, Yeah. So, you know, I missed this one little part when we talked about the war originally. So what happened was the part I missed, and I guess it's good for now. We could use it now since it's over. The Spartans went to the the Oracle of Delphi asking for help, what they should do about the war because it was going on so long. Oracle told them to go get a poet from Athens, get somebody from Athens. And the Athenians didn't want to give them anybody, so they gave them this lame old stupid schoolmaster guy that they thought was, you know, going to be just a fool. And it turns out he was their savior because he wrote all these poems and hymns and songs that, you know, motivated the Spartans. And then they came back and then they won. That's how the story Ah, goes.
1: Inspirational poetry. From the lame
0: poet from Athens. Good work, lame poet of Athens. (laughs) Was he both lame and blind? He wasn't blind, because I double-triple-checked double, it recently. They just said he was stupid. Huh? Okay. <laughs> and lame. Lame and stupid. I mean, I know those lame has anything to do with being stupid, obviously. So, just, you know. Obviously, he
1: wasn't that stupid, because he helped them. Uh, maybe he was bullied in Athens, and now he probably. found this true... Was, I think that's probably it. Let's proceed to 667. Yeah.
0: 667, the Greek state of Megara. Founds the colony of Byzantium, which would become Constantinople, is and is today Istanbul. The site of the Byzantine Empire, yes, so a long ancient much city. much later. Mm-hmm. But this is where it gets its founding in the Byzantine Empire, and it's called Byzantium in six sixty seven BC. So, had a lot of the name carried itself a long way.
1: It's such a perfect spot for a city. That's a strategic location, right at the very border of Egypt and Asia. Mm-hmm. And you control the entry to the Black Sea and it's just a great spot. Absolutely.
0: I mean remember that they had the you remember how it went, right? The other colony that was nearby? The colony of the blind. No. Remember um remember Chalcedon? Remind me. They founded that in the six eighties and they call it the city of the blind. Here's the story. The legend has the founder was this guy named Bysus and his father went to the Oracle and said, we needed to found a new colony. And she told him to set up his new colony in the land opposite the city of the blind. (laughs) Remember? So when he got there, he realized that there was a colony on the other side. And they said, they must have been blind to set up here. This is a great spot. (laughs) Uh, So. Really good question. Why they didn't set up on the big, on the good spot? Before, right? Because they might have been blind, as they say. I mean, why didn't anybody else set up there before?
1: So. That somebody must have in all those years before but maybe it was a dangerous place to be if you couldn't fortify it and uh, because everybody was passing through right yeah there. that's true
0: so yeah so the guy's name was Bizus, Bizus, and that's why it's byzantium yeah, and uh makes sense but then it became constantinople you know why constantinople get the works no. nobody's business but the turks you know the song <laughs> You know the song. The song? No, I don't know know the song. song? Oh, it's um, it's well, a lot of people will know the "They Might Be Giant song. It's Istanbul was Constantinople. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's um, Istanbul was Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. People will know it. So it's a "They Might Be Giant song, but it's actually a remake of a song by this another band. Um called The Four lads was a little extra history. I'll throw this in here. So Istanbul, not Constantinople, it's a 1953 novelty song with lyrics by Jimmy Kennedy and music by Nat Simon, performed by The Four lads. It was written on the 500th anniversary of the fall of Constantinople to the Ottomans, and the lyrics humorously referred to the official 1930 renaming of the city of Constantinople to Istanbul.
1: Ah, did not oh, know that. See, maybe it's an um, American thing. My my father actually used to sing that song. Oh, he did? I remember now, but I I never know where he got it from. <laughs> so now I know. You ever
0: solved this lifelong mystery there you for go. Me. I, My my kids are probably say the same thing cuz I sing it all the time. I actually went to Istanbul in the 90s and I couldn't get that it was in my head the whole time.
1: Oh, I've never been Not there. It. It, I, I had the option of going. I was in Bulgaria and it was like a two day trip to Istanbul with the. But we decided to stay at a hotel and uh, just uh, drink and uh, do other things there. Well, if I'm. Yeah. Instead. Well,
0: that, I went the opposite I know you're absolutely right because I went the opposite way. I took the two day trip from Istanbul to Bulgaria. Oh. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal trip. In what sense? Like just bus, train, border like oh uh, people on the bus smoking the whole time
1: you know eight hours in a bus of people smoking and it took forever like you said i uh, was going to go with a shorter company so my bus would have been very comfortable but i was on my honeymoon and i hadn't started fan of history ah. at the time this was back in 2012 and uh-huh. well, this was back in me
0: this was in the 90s and i didn't have any money i was backpacking Well, yeah oh. where were we in bulgaria
1: i was in sofia I was in, God, I can't remember, that normal tourist spot for Scandinavian tourists in Bulgaria. Oh, there
0: were Scandinavians on the bus with us, I remember, at the end, and we went to see the bear together. Golden Beach or something? There was, though. I remember. Anyway, I digress.
1: Maybe someday we'll all get back, right? Yes. With the Final History Tour. Yeah. When we get this going.
0: Yeah, we'll get that going. Don't forget, a buck an episode. We'll save the money. That and the time machine. Yes.
1: Oh, well, first the trip to Bulgaria then the time okay. machine. I think that's the the right way to Absolutely. They had an awesome place where you could eat like the the Bulgars. They so had a gigantic tent and you were eating like uh, barbecued meat like the Bulgars did when they invaded Bulgaria. Ah. Okay, we have we have now got yeah, to
0: Sorry. Sorry fans. Back to Megara. Yes. Yeah, so we, like I said, Chalcedon, the city of the blind. It was also a Megaran colony, so um, I did my little distance thing. The distance from Megara to Byzantium is about 1,100 kilometers or 885 miles. would take you 12 hours by car on the E-90 today. Or if you flew, it would be an hour and 20 minutes. And I, I did take that route on a train. I took the train to Istanbul and then back to Bulgaria. I think that's how it went. But anyway, I remember looking out the windows. beautiful. Very beautiful. So, um, but they would have took it by ship and it would have taken them, I think, at least 30 days to get there. So wow. it's not like super far, you know, it's not like going, you know, across the giant ocean. But like I said, that was Byzantium, then Constantinople, then Istanbul was a had a long history. It was in the imperial capital. So how about this? It was an imperial capital under the Romans and then the Ottomans from 330 CE till 1922. So that's been a capital, like a capital of a major empire since 330 C till 1922. And today it's the most populous city in Turkey and one of the most populous in the world with a 14 million population. Also the biggest city in Europe? Yeah.
1: If you count it as Europe. Yeah, because you go bowl, you can walk across the bridge and go over the other side. Well, if you ask people from London or Paris, they will say that only the European side of Constantinople counts. Uh, so we are bigger. Yes. Actually, Constantinople plays a part in my novel about Alaric and the fall of Rome in 410 uh, CE. But that's uh, another. Are you still story. writing it? Uh, no, oh, I'm not, right. and I haven't finished all it. But uh, there is a lot of scenes set in Constantinople under Emperor Arcadius in from 395 to 410. So I know way too much about <laughs> Roman politics in the period 395 to 410 CE. It There's more information than you think, right? When you really start digging into this stuff. Yes, and that's why I stopped writing the book because it started to become a fact book. Yeah, <laughs> and I found the balance very hard. Yeah. Keep. So now I, I write mainly
0: fantasy. Ah, all right. Well, I still, pr- I'm still impressed that you, the other writing you do. Yeah, thank
1: you. That, I know that's difficult. If you if you can read Swedish, you can read my books. I like can't that, even do uh, that either. So if you have Swedish listeners, ask me and I'll tell you about my books. Uh, we are going back to Syria. Yes, sir. It's the rest of the Isar Haddon Chronicle. It's mostly broken mm-hmm, up. unfortunately. So this will be very unsatisfying to read, but I'll yeah. try anyway. The first year of Shama Shumaukin, that is 667-66, uh, something, two, something. Taharka, king of Egypt, something. Egypt, something. Neko, king of Egypt, something. And that's all we have for 667 in the Chronicle. Uh, but you have something else. Yeah, well, I have, like, this, I
0: have... Because, of like I was saying, you can find all this stuff on the Internet. I have all the inscriptions from Ashurbanipal because, as we know, he was a scholar and he had tons of stuff. So he has all of his things. So the only difference is between his stuff and the Babylonian Chronicle is he doesn't date it the way they do. You know, they say the first Mm. year to second year. He'll say, like, on my second campaign, on my third. So we can't, like, get the dates exactly you know, down to the year, but we can get the time. So my point is we're not losing all the information. You know, we just don't have those, That's... you know, year to year things, which for me, doing this podcast with you is make the research is
1: great because we could just put it, this is what happened in this year for sure. So Yeah, it's been a problem with all the Assyrian yeah. kings. I, I will probably go on about Ashurbanipal's library a lot in this podcast. I'll not mention it oh, now. Okay. Proceed. Oh, right. So, yeah.
0: So what what's going on here? Well, we know back in 669, remember, Ezra hadn't died on his way to Egypt. So um, while Ashurbanipal was occupied at home, you know, with the changing over the everything, Taharka took advantage of the situation and he attacked the Assyrian garrison at Memphis and he occupied the city. So then Ashurbanipal sent an Assyrian force to Egypt. He didn't go with his armies ever. He he was not like the other kings. He let his generals do the work. So he sent the Tertanu, which is an Akkadian word for commander in chief or like a prime minister, and the chief eunuch went to the army. So what they also seems they did is they went through the Levant and they picked up a bunch of um, troops there. So that's another thing real quick is like, You look at a map of the Assyrian Empire in the old days, a lot of times you'll see like Judah as being like not part of it. But that's not really true because they were a client state and there was 22 other client states in the area. So, you know, technically they weren't an Assyrian province, but they didn't really have, you know, they were client states of Assyria. So anyway, they went through, picked up all these other, you know, soldiers, probably had their own arrows and everything else. You know, you can imagine how much stuff they would need. Um, And they arrived in Egypt. And this army fought a pitched battle with Kushites in um, the vicinity of Karbanite. And this is probably near Memphis. And I'm telling you, you could spend hours trying to dig into people saying where it is. So it's near Memphis, I'm pretty sure. And the Assyrians won and Taharqa fled from Memphis and he went down to Thebes. And that is a distance of 481 miles or 774 kilometers. That I know. I could check that. So 401 miles away,
1: Taharqa goes down to Thebes. And Thebes is also the uh, traditional stronghold of the Nubian kings in Egypt. So that's the last line.
0: The last line of defense against the evil Assyrians. Unless they come to
1: Nubia, of course. Right,
0: that's really getting far. That's not very likely. That's really running down there. So then, yeah, the chief eunuch, not the tertano Tanto, right? Just the chief eunuch. He went south by foot and ship to follow. And this voyage lasted 10 months. So that suggests there was, like, you know, resistance along the way. A new, you know, some kind of gorillas, not the animals, the gorillas, humans. So Taharqa made went um, to Thebes, right? And the Assyrians, 10 months later, go down there to get them. And maybe because they were worn out, it appears that Taharka beat the Assyrians here. Well, or maybe
1: the chief eunuch was just yes, taking his time, enjoying the pleasures maybe it did maybe i don't know how many pleasures a unit could have though <laughs> we'll talk about gorillas <laughs> very soon actually in this podcast You're right because uh we will address the question did the phoenicians circumvent africa and that story involves gorillas yes it does i know it too but it, it's probably for the next it's uh, a in the next and century,
0: see that's right? why you are like i said you have all that knowledge in your in your head about you know history like these guys i i, I would have forgot that if I ever knew it, but I do know it now from this, and and the and that has to do with this podcast because this is the dynasty that does that guerrilla trip, right? And I believe he was Neko too, right? Okay. So anyway, um, but it appears that Taharka wins again. So Taharka beats the Assyrians every so often. Way to go, Taharka! Right. So he he beats them here, and then those three guys up north, and they say, "Oh crap, the Assyrians got beat," right? All of them? You, all three? Yeah. The three guys the three guys we mentioned before that uh, that um, Ezra Haddon had installed up there, um, and one of them was Neko. These guys decided to revolt against the Assyrians. But don't forget the other- But they, they don't have Nubian support up I there. I know. Well, that's what Visco. I mean he figured that they'll beat them. He figured the Assyrians, they must Uh-oh. have figured the Assyrians went down and that Taharqa beat the Assyrians.
1: Yeah, but you probably need the Nubians to beat the Assyrians.
0: Probably do need them to, you know, but, you know, I just think there's not information like we had today, like we have today. Because even today, people say fake news. That's fake news. So, like, you somebody comes and says, you know, the Assyrians are pretty tough. "Ah, They're probably not that tough. (laughs) Fake news. Uh Yeah, not a good idea. But then don't forget that only the chief eunuch went south. The prime minister, the the other guy, the Tartutu. The Turtano. Tertan- oh, you know, I'm the worst. So he was still there, and the conspiracy was discovered. So, yeah. oh. Right? So the cities where these guys were in charge of were slaughtered. All of them? Yeah, they slaughtered the cities. But what happens is one of these guys uh, escaped, just escaped somehow. The other two, they captured. The Syrians took them to Nineveh. Oh, what do you no. Think happened to them? You should go They were never heard from again. Right? Well, not, not, yes and no. Because for some reason, Neko was pardoned and reinstated as the ruler of Saïs, and they threw in Memphis too. What they keep you guessing, those Assyrians, or maybe Neko was
1: just uh, the king of sweet talk.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's why. I mean, it reminds me. I don't know. There's this Netflix series Ozark, and this guy goes against the cartel, Mexican cartel, and every episode they're about to kill him, and he, I'll fix this. He always like sweet talks his way out of it. That's an echo. Down. Yeah, that's Necho. I have this. I have oh. against the Assyrian troops, my royal hosts, which I had stationed in Egypt at their request, they planned evil. My officials heard these matters, seized their couriers together with their messages and saw with their own eyes their rebellious plot. They seized these kings and bound them hand and foot with bonds and fetters of iron. The curse of Asher, king of gods, overtook them because they sinned against the oath they had sworn by the great gods i required at their hands the good which i had done them in kindness and the people of sais pentiti and sinu and the rest of the cities as many had joined with them in plotting evil they struck down with the sword both great and small not a man of them escaped their corpses they hung on stakes they stripped them of their skins and covered the city walls with them these kings, who had planned evil against the armies of Assyria, they brought before me, to Nineveh. I had mercy upon Niku, one of their number, spared his life and laid an oath more drastic than the former upon him. I clothed him in splendid garments, laid upon his neck a golden chain as an emblem of his royalty. I put gold rings upon his fingers, gave him an iron girdle dagger set in gold, having written my name upon it chariots horses and mules i presented to him for his royal riding my officials i sent with him at his request to serve as prefix i set him back to his post at sais where his father had set him up as king and his son i set over hathrabiya i showed even greater favor than that of my
1: father so he
0: forgave him and made him king
1: Put him in charge. That's such an unusual show of mercy. I know. And this is where Necho sort of starts the 26th d- dynasty, right? Pretty much. More like... So now yeah. he's a proper pharaoh, yes. almost.
0: It's like his actually like his son is the one who will start the 26th
1: dynasty. But He must have been one hell of a sweet talker. He hook. must have been. Like... Ashurbanipal, I'm sorry they convinced me to do bad things, but you know, you need me to rule Egypt. You need a guy, a local guy on the scene. I can do exactly. this. Exactly. Yes, let me try again. Exactly. That's exactly it. I mean, you got to figure how far
0: Egypt is from Nineveh. So, you, you know, he had to be quite a sweet talker. But we're going to talk more also, about it. W-
1: w- one more spoiler for Ashurbanipal. Because when I did the Ashurbanipal episodes back in the day, I thought that all the Assyrian kings would be like him and that there would be massacres all over. But there are really the, these depictions of massacres that it's only ashur II who, who do them like he did them. But Ashurbanipal will as well. Yeah. So Ashurbanipal is an exceedingly cruel Assyrian king in his later days. But here he shows yes. mercy. It's
0: quite but amazing. There's probably judgment too. I would think, like you said, he really needs somebody to run the place. Yeah, and he does massacre some yeah, cities. Yeah, he still so. massacres the people. Yeah, that stinks. The king is the guy who does the deed, and then the city gets massacred. So this Neko guy, I want to hear yeah, more we're about. Yeah, I'm going to. But if we go in order, because something there, we're still not done, obviously, and I mean, Taharqa just beat he just beat the Assyrians at Thebes, so it's not over. So it's a it's a full scale war in Egypt yeah. still. I, I was thinking too, like. You know, maybe a lot of times when they took someone to Nineveh and they never heard from him again, maybe they just kept them there. You know no. how, like the the Babylonians captured the 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 Hebrews and Judah, and they just sort of kept them there.
1: I think somebody should have would have talked about that. That the Assyrians would have bragged about having all these important yeah, prisoners. Yeah, that's true. On the other hand, maybe they should have bragged about that's killing them as well. That's what I was thinking. So but yeah, don't you know. No, maybe like to impress them. You know, like in the.
0: And the, there's stories here in the U.S. Um, in the late 1800s, when we really became very industrialized, but we were still fighting with the Indians. They would take Indians to Washington, and then the Indians would come back and be like, we don't have a chance against these guys. We have no idea what
1: their cities are like. I'm also thinking of an incident in 260 CE, when the uh, king of the Second Persian Empire takes the Roman emperor captive. And then uses him as a or yeah, right? for, for uh, the rest of the emperor's I life. with know. Was it Valens, Valens, right. And then, of course, he told people about yeah. that. So, but the Assyrians just don't mention these yeah. people that
0: for taking. We just never know. That's the thing. We never heard from again, except Necho.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Necho, the survivor.
0: Yeah, Necho, the survivor, for now. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for episode two. Stay tuned for our next episode where we're coming into the year 666. Even old New York was
1: once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. People just liked it better that way. Take me back to Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. Why did Constantinople get the worst that's nobody
2: business tur- If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods,